At Wheaton Park District, we manage 54 parks, dozens of playgrounds, tennis courts, and a mini golf and skate park. We have an accredited zoo, a county museum, multiple athletic fields and sports complex, two swimming pools, 150 acres of nature preserves, and a 27-hole golf course and banquet facility. Everything else is just a talk in the park. Happy New Year, a talk in the park listeners. We had a lot of fun last year, and we look forward to putting out more podcasts this year. In this episode, we're going to just have some clips from some of the interviews we did this year. If you want to see the full episodes, um, feel free to check out our uh, hosting site uh, webpage and, or the Park District webpage for the uh, A Talk in the Park podcast. Again, we loved the entire interviews, the, every episode from last year, but we wanted to kind of put a wrap up to 2020. So we just tried to try to take a few clips from each interview from last year, put it into one episode, and then put that out uh, this month. And then starting February, we're going to have brand new guests on uh, the podcast and start from start fresh. And uh, hopefully 2021, we'll have an episode every month and um, kind of move forward and uh, get closer to our two-year anniversary here coming up in July. We have on Rick Napier, Community Center Day Manager, to discuss his journey as part of the Play for All Playground and Garden Foundation Board. So they are working to build a treehouse that kind of symbolizes Play for All in our community. So what is the Play for All Playground and Garden Foundation and what is your involvement? Well, the foundation uh, is a 501c3 charitable foundation. Um, It was created with the mission of creating barrier-free and universally accessible outdoor play spaces and gardens in DuPage County. And to that end, we've created the Sensory Garden Playground, which is actually in Lyle. It's at the 2751 Navistar Drive in Lyle. And it's a joint project uh, founded by the Wheaton Park District, WDSRA, Forest Preserve District of DuPage County, Kiwanis of Wheaton, Shane's Inspiration, and Landscape Structures. Um, and it opened in 2015. Uh, the Sensory Garden Playground uh, has a two to five year old uh, playground. Um, it has a central gathering area, uh, fragrance garden, sound garden, and really interesting interactive uh, art sculptures by an artist named Joe Gagnapane. And they're really cool. They're sort of found object mm-hmm. art, they're musical. Um, It's a lot of repurposed metal pieces from bikes and cars and things like that. And uh, yes, as you mentioned, we are the treehouse is the the latest um, addition, which is going to open in the spring. And that's when I came on was really um, in the whole time I've been involved has been trying to raise money for that treehouse. It's a wheelchair accessible treehouse. It rises to height of 11 feet and it's going to have slides and we're working on getting a lot more bells and whistles for it as money presents itself but it's very nearly done now um, at least the first phase of it and uh, i should also give a shout out to the wesley luring foundation and first trust and wheaton rotary have been partners with us on this as well as far as my involvement i'm a, i'm now a board member Originally, I was brought on in 2015 when I was still working over at the museum. Mm -hmm. The Play for All Foundation meets over at the museum. And our executive director, Mike Bernard, was coming out of his office one day. And I just sort of said to him, you know, I have a lot of contacts in this, the autism community. Mm -hmm. Because my son was diagnosed when he was three and, uh, you know, just hammered away at it and 
being involved in different organizations and, and things, I had kind of acquired a lot of contacts. And I just said, you know, hey, if I can be of any help, let me know. And then Mike asked me to come to a meeting uh, to just sort of, you know, learn more. And, and, and that's how it just kind of started. I started out with recruiting people for focus groups for the treehouse. That's how it, uh, you know, I got involved there initially. And then it just sort of snowballed from there. Sidebar. Okay. Do you guys watch the Treehouse? There's a TV show where a guy makes all these crazy tree houses for people and they get hired oh, to. Yeah. I no. It's a phenomenal show. I don't know exactly what channel it's on, but every so often when I'm home and flipping through channels, I watch it. He comes up with the most amazing tree houses. It's and not like started, HGTV. It's like another. Yeah. I don't know if it's Discovery, uh, Discovery or something. it's not history, but. I'll have to figure it out, but I love watching that show. And when I started talking about the treehouse, I started picturing some things that he does and like some of the cool aspects that you can put into a treehouse that you would have never expected. Oh yeah. You know, if I would love to watch that show, actually, I haven't seen it yet, but they have the treehouse designed out. So if we, his money presents itself, it's it, the phase two, it ends up being this really sort of Swiss family Robinson, really cool thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, if we get enough money for it, yeah, we're going to, we're going to trick it out. Gravity rail is going to be what the next thing we're shooting for. That's a, that's something that's kind of a fun addition to it. Definitely. I'm looking forward to once it gets nicer out to actually heading over there and taking a peek at it. Cause I haven't been over there and I've just heard about it from you from a lot. So it'll be cool to actually see it in person for the first time. Yeah, it's great. And it's, um, it's, it's kind of a way in the woods. It's sort of it's tucked away a little bit. Yeah. It's Naperville. It's that's purposeful. You know, mm-hmm. it's meant to be sort of quiet and removed. Yeah. Um, that's tree houses, you know, tree houses aren't on the middle of, mm-hmm. right. But know. the park itself, because of the yeah. kids sensory issues right. and things like that, it's meant to be sort of quiet and secluded removed and secluded. And, um, yeah, so the tree house is, is, is next. And we're working on fencing too, because a lot of, uh, children with autism are runners yeah they will just take off yep and so uh fencing is an important component that we're working on there's actually a a, a little initiative that marketing came up with fence friends where you can buy a section of fence for 50 bucks or that's on the the uh the website so playforalldupage.org and that started from a lot of feedback that we were receiving from the community and people that were going to the park and just said that, hey, we kind of want it to be more sectioned off. So, Absolutely. And it's not something that um, is – people don't get jazzed about fencing. It's what not as mean? easy. I get jazzed about well, fencing. It's not as easy to raise money <laughs> for. It's not it. as like, sexy hey, we're doing item. a gravity, yeah. gravity rail, you know, and people get excited about that. So. Yeah. Fencing, the Fence Friends was a great little idea. It's a unique way to try to sell it to people. It's like people, yeah. they sell bricks for pavers and Same idea. You know, benches and things. So it's just, it goes with the the project. And I think it's, you know, like you said, it's a unique, uh, you know, name and spin on it. And yeah. yeah. It's cool. Justin Kirtland, golf course superintendent of Arrowhead Golf Club, shares the district's accomplishments as a green team member. What has the Park District done to try to be as green as possible, and what has Arrowhead done uh, in conjunction with the green team? Well, lucky enough for us, the green team had some funding, and uh, one of the things, one of the most important things, we talk about growing plants is water, air, and light. So for us, water 
that we can control our irrigation system. It is aging, but uh, we continue to make make uh, modifications to it to improve it and keep it running as properly as we can. And the green team was nice enough to give us some funding to replace irrigation uh, heads on the golf course to inhabit where we have started growing more natural areas. Um, part of the Audubon, um, we went from about 15 acres of natural area to where now we have 26, maybe even close to 30 acres of natural area. And a lot of those areas were from the men's or the back tees up to the forward tees. So people, golfers, would have to hit over those areas. And before they were just rough that we would maintain. And now we let those areas grow up and go to seed and create that natural environment. So in some cases, uh, the irrigation that was there, we could manually turn it off Mm -hmm. but in some we would still need to water that front of the fairway or the front of a tee box right so we needed the ability to adjust those sprinklers and that's where the green team came in to give us the funds to keep buying adjustable Mm -hmm. sprinklers um so it's it's been great we went from like i said 15 acres to almost 30 now and you know where we can keep adding we will yeah, a little less maintenance on your part for sure, I bet. It, it is. It, it is nice, a little less maintenance, but it's about creating that habitat. Yeah. You know, that that's truly what it's about, not just for, you know, the animals and insects that are going to live in there, but also for the golfers and the patrons. It's aesthetically pleasing to the eye yeah. to see that. You know, we go back to sustainability. What is... Arrowhead and the Wheaton Park District doing as a whole to be sustainable. And that's water conservation, number one. I mentioned the the sprinklers that we've been changing out. But the idea is why don't we have grasses out there Mm -hmm. that are more tolerable to drought? And we're lucky enough, you know, since we've done our our bunker restoration, you know, well, it's 10 years ago now. Seems like yesterday. Yeah. Um, We resodded around green banks and tea banks and put in a higher tolerant turf grass that can handle a little more heat can handle a little more disease so we're not out there throwing more water when we don't need it um, or spraying pesticides like that Um, just recently when we finished the west course we put in a, a turf type tall fescue grass which is just outstanding any homeowner out there that's looking to resod or reseed their lawn turf type tall fescue without a doubt yeah so with that aspect what should homeowners do when they're preparing for winter in this area for their lawns and then you know coming up now when the winter is just about over well let's hope so but once it's coming into springtime like what would be your number one thing people should do at home with those two different seasons you know pending on what your yard looks like already mm-hmm. saying that you have some some healthy turf i would definitely you know think about the bookends um maybe around halloween time maybe even a little bit more you want to start thinking about that winter preparations you want to give those plants some food so that mm-hmm. they have that storage those reserves and those carbohydrates to get through the winter okay and if you do that you're setting yourself up for spring okay and then you're still going to see when you pop out of spring, oh, I, maybe I missed a spot over here. or Maybe it doesn't look so good. Mm-hmm. And think about, let's add a little bit more, if needed. Yeah. You know, it's, it's what you think you need. 
most cases, I would say most homeowners, they're probably going to be just fine. Yeah. Has the park district received any certifications related to being green? Um, starting off, we joined up with SCARES, and we received the green team, the earth flag, and our water quality flag. Um, in addition to those, um, just recently, well, not recently, over the last two years, our assistant golf course superintendent applied for Audubon certification and has been working towards completing those uh, categories. The Audubon certificate, can you give a little bit more detail uh, to people that don't know about what it is? Yeah, sure. So the Audubon Cooperative Sanctuary Program for Golf Courses helps golf courses to enhance wildlife habitats and protect natural resources for the benefit of people, wildlife, and the game of the golf. The program is designed to give golf course managers the information and the guidance they need to implement stewardship projects and receive recognition for their efforts. Okay. It's a, it's a lot. It's it's a huge process. It's a two- to five-year process. I'm, I'm happy to say the Arrowhead staff knocked it out of the park, um, and we've done it in about two and a half years, maybe even two years here, and we'll be getting our site visit from the Audubon this, this spring or fall. Miss Kelly, Wide Horizons Preschool Coordinator, joins Amy and myself to discuss how Wide Horizons Preschool staff provide students with a positive and enjoyable learning experience. With Wide Horizons being a play-based preschool program, how is the curriculum structured to assure kindergarten readiness in addition to socialization and play? Well, when you say play-based, um, yes, we are play-based, but I, I think that we are actually more of a blend of play-based and academic. So when someone says play-based, it's essentially a program where the child leads the direction of what's going on. So if a child is really into cars and they want to play with cars the whole time, then that's okay. Um, academic would be the exact opposite where it's all the entire day is structured by the teacher. You're learning letters and numbers and all of those academics. So what we try to do is take the important parts of both of those aspects and mm -hmm. blend them together. Um, I think they both have value. And, um, and so what we do is we, are, we try to be real creative and make our playtime educational so that we are hiding the academics mm -hmm. inside of the play and they don't really realize that they're learning along the way. Um, so there's lots of fun puzzles or games or little things that we have out for them that they can play with. And like I said, while they're playing, they're actually learning. And um, a lot of times the play might just be working on like fine motor or gross motor or something like that, which is essential at this age. Mm -hmm. um, so I think play-based sometimes gets a bad rap, um, but actually play is like kiddo's job when they're that old. They need to play. There's so much benefit that comes from playing as far as developing like cognitive skills, social skills, language skills. Um, like I said, fine and gross motor. They're working on their self-confidence, which is huge at that age. Mm -hmm. Problem solving. And a lot of those things help make the academics easier. Um, there's, like, there's a little quote that I read somewhere where um, if you have really good social skills, it will help you, when you to learn your ABCs and 1, 2, 3s and all the academics. But if all you have is the academics, 
academics won't help you with the social skills. So really the foundation is the social skills and those um, types of things we, we really try to um, focus on so that everything else kind of falls into place and makes things easier when that child is ready to learn the numbers and letters, then it just is ready to go. Sharing. I think that's a big thing is learning to share with other kids. I mean, I might have to pick your brain with my one-year-old and learning things and watching him do stuff at home. Like you said, I mean, there's things that reading books and other stuff that are more play, but you're trying to teach them stuff. Yeah, the, the socialization really is important, especially during these times right now, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people aren't getting out and play groups and things. And so, yeah, socialization is super important. Learning how to navigate when someone takes something that you want. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's a definite right and wrong on how on how to handle that situation and you would think that it's obvious that you know I can't believe you just yelled at that child and and pulled it away but that is what if that's all the child knows so we actually instead of just saying you know give that back that wasn't yours we sit down and say okay let's talk about this and let's figure out what happened kids have a hard time navigating it if they've never encountered that situation before and knowing what to say the next time actually giving them the words to use i would like to play with this may i have a turn when you're done works wonders a lot of times i didn't even know that was an option so those teaching moments, like you're saying, Absolutely. you know, teaching them what to do versus just reprimanding them. I feel with me, like just saying no, no, no all the time. Is it giving this bad thought process of like anything I do is wrong? It's just going to be no versus please don't do that or let's do this and right. kind of redirecting them. And I catch myself all the time now thinking like, oh, I, I shouldn't just say no all the time. Right. Or explaining why. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we'll have to say, like, look at Jimmy's little face. You took what he had. Now look at his face and what do you think he's feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, for a child to understand that others have feelings too and that you don't want to make someone sad. Right. That's all new. And that's it's all learning. Everybody at any age for can sure. learn all that sort of stuff. For sure. So what are some online resources you'd recommend for, like, virtual learning? Well, besides Miss Kelly's preschool on Tuesdays obvious, and Thursdays, I want to. I mean, I want to enroll in that class. Like that sounds like a great way to start my day. It is fun. Um, you know, that's a really tough question because the preschool teacher in me says that children don't need any more screen time, and clearly the virtual class that I teach is a little bit different, right? Because it is more interactive, and mm-hmm. so I guess if you could find something that's interactive like that. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would say go for it. But I would I would really recommend just playing, reading, getting out and about, you know, going out, finding things in nature. It's it's more about talking and including your child, even when you're driving in the car, um, pointing out road signs, you know, hey, we're let's pick a letter for the day, pick a letter for the week. And then just all sorts of activities around that letter. You know, if the letter is A. Driving down the road, you see an A. Hey, there's an A over there. Can you spot it? Do you see the A? Or saying, is there an A in that sign? You know, do you see one? Nope, I don't either. What about this sign over here? It doesn't have to be um, worksheets and sitting down at a desk. It's more about just exposing children, and that's going to come through just daily life. You know, if you're doing dishes, invite them up to do it with you. It's great fine motor skills, squeezing a sponge. And if you don't want them to help you, 
then pull up a chair and just tell them like, hey, I need all of this water from this cup to that cup. Here's a sponge, stick it in, put it in the other, squeeze it. And kids find funny activities like that that are just slightly off, Yeah, really mm-hmm. fun. Um, the same thing goes for like a squirt bottle. I love squirt bottles because the squeezing action of a squirt bottle is so good for fine motor and Mm -hmm. kids think it's hysterical to squirt water. So I say, you know, go outside and write some letters or numbers on your driveway with chalk and then call one out and tell your child to squirt it with water. You know, it's things like that, that, you know, even in the bathtub, if you're giving your child a shower or a bath, give them a squirt bottle, smear a colored soap all over the wall or something, and then tell them that they have to squirt it off. It's things like that. You just have to be just a little bit creative. And that's Mm -hmm. where I think Pinterest maybe would come in. And you could probably find some really great ideas on Pinterest of simple things that you can do with your child at home that don't cost any money. And it's probably with supplies that you already have. Yeah. Or that you can find at the dollar store. Yeah. You know, a hole punch. That's another one of my favorites. Kids love a hole punch. And again, the squeezing action. And it seems more like a tool or something that moms and dads are supposed to use. Right. Yeah. My favorite is every year when we pull out the hole punch for an activity, they have to find a letter, you know, only hole punch the letter A because that's the letter we're doing today. I've had students tell me, I'm not allowed to use these. And I'm like, you know, what happened? You know, why? This is a danger. This is dangerous. And I was, actually, it's not. Let me just show you. Only a piece of paper could fit through there. You can't hurt yourself. Right. But it looks kind of like something Scary. that moms yeah. and dads would use. And yeah. hey, when you squeeze it, it pops a hole in the paper. So it does come across um, mm. like something like they're not supposed to have. Or makes then, a mess. And then the parents got to clean it up. Right. And, and so when I show them, no, watch, this is awesome. And then again, that tactile of the when it actually punches and gives them that, um, so like that satisfaction, yes. that noise, like oh, I just mm-hmm. did something, and then they move yeah, that they exciting. move it, like and there's the hole, mm-hmm. and it's like ooh, now that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. So it's things like that, um, you know, singing songs, counting everything that you come into contact with, even like I said, if you're in the car and you're waiting for a train, count the train cars, count the houses, count the sidewalk you know, pieces as you're going for a walk, Mm -hmm. pick up sticks and try to make letters out of the sticks. That was one of our activities for our virtual class, you know, using things outside Mm -hmm. or um, found in your house, make your name. You know, if you have an S in your name, maybe you have to go find a sock, something that's curvy that you can bend. And um, I'm I'm amazed, you know, that's that's how kids enjoy learning the academic side. They don't want to sit with a paper and pencil so much and just do drills yeah. of handwriting practice. Yes, because I remember those days when I was in kindergarten and first grade very well. Yeah, that's not so <laughs> Very, fun. very well. No. Well, those all sound like very simple and easy and things that I think free. almost everyone. I think everyone... that's a big thing. Free. Yeah, free. For sure. That's huge. Everyone, please welcome Jenny Thuman, lead zookeeper and animal welfare coordinator uh, for Cosley Zoo to the podcast. What is a typical day for you at the zoo? So typical day, it starts with just general health checks on all of the residents, Mm -hmm. Um, just getting a visual on all of the animals. Uh, And then we start with our barn chores. Um, We go through and- So the fun stuff, right? fun stuff. (laughs) All the hard labor. 
Uh, but it's cool because, you know, you're there and it's quiet and um, we groom all of the domestic animals before they go outside um, just to make sure that they're nice and clean before they go out. Every day? Every day. Wow. Yeah. And How long does that take? Um, it depends. It depends on how uh, gross they got overnight. <laughs> so today it's rainy. So yeah. Franklin, everybody knows Franklin the llama. Mm-hmm. Um, he will come in just an absolute sandy mess, and it'll probably take about a half hour to groom him out tomorrow. Wow. Whereas if he's just dry and has some straw on him, it takes maybe 10 minutes. Okay. Um, we don't groom the sheep. They don't like it. <laughs> But uh, we groom everybody, and so it's not just for looks. Yeah. I mean, yes, we want them to appear clean, um, but it also gives us a chance to do a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, we're bonding at the same time. A lot of animals socially groom each other, so for us to go in there and groom them is is good for our relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also gives us an opportunity to just check them over and make sure that if they had any bumps or scrapes, that they're healing, they don't need further treatment, or if something came up overnight um, – we catch it really quickly. We're able to get the veterinarians in um, as soon as possible to take a peek at it. After that, they all go outside to their yards for breakfast, and then then the hard work starts. We clean all those stalls mm-hmm. and then reset them for the day. Uh, a lot of people don't know that we change out the straw and bedding in those stalls daily. Um, we load everything up into the dumpster and get the zoo ready for visitors at 9 a.m. And then we move on to our wildlife areas, and we do the same thing except we don't groom them. <laughs> they don't really love to be touched, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Um, but throughout the course of the day, we're making observations on those animals. We're doing positive reinforcement training sessions with them, um, mm-hmm. getting them to cooperate in their health care. Um, we're also providing enrichment to make sure that they're stimulated and that they have um, activities that they can choose to participate in. And then there's more cleaning, I mean, that should really, mm-hmm. I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah. There's a lot of cleaning. <laughs> does it differ, like, through different seasons? It does. A lot of times, like, right after a snow, um, our priorities are snow removal, and we're not necessarily digging through the snow to find mm-hmm. waste that we need to clean out. Um, in the summertime, it's a lot of weeding associated with that, and we want to mm-hmm. make sure that the weeds come out. Um, Parks Department is awesome at helping us with that. They actually take the brunt of it, um, which is really nice. Um, but inside those enclosures, we need to, to weed out, too. A lot of ice breaking in the wintertime, mm-hmm. uh, which is way worse than shoveling and way worse than mucking out stalls. <laughs> it's backbreaking. Um, and then just working to make sure that we're not carrying too heavy a snow load in the yeah. on the aviary especially. Thank you for listening. Be sure to download, rate, share, and subscribe to A Talk in the Park wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the Wheaton Park District on Facebook and Instagram at Wheaton Park District. Additional information on Wheaton Park District programs and services can be found at wheatonparkdistrict.com. Until next time, this has been A Talk in the Park. A Talk in the Park is a production of the Wheaton Park District.